This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So we're talking about, and this is this feels, oh boy, this feels very scary to talk about this as even a possibility if you're in such a situation that you owe money and you're just trying to figure out next steps. The idea that creditors are asking that question, can creditors take my income if I don't pay? And how easy is it for a creditor to garnish wages or a bank account? And we've talked about this before, Blair, but I know in preparing for this segment, you said something to me that it's different this year. It's different in 2022 than it was in 2021 or 2020 when it comes to uh, your employer or your debtor. Uh, I should say your debtor, not your employer, but your debtor sort of coming after you for money's owed. Can you talk about that right off the top? Oh, certainly, Elaine. Yeah. And what we had seen, you know, during COVID times, I think everyone is aware of this, the courts were closed. Um, CRA took a very big backseat in terms of collections. They were busy sending out, you know, new money for income supports, which everyone needed and, and was great. But that ceasefire was not going to learn to last forever. And the courts have reopened. So literally in the last two months, we've seen more wage garnishments than we've seen in the last two and a half years. So we have people that, you know, are phoning up completely distraught. They've gotten their paycheck and it's 70% of what it should have been, or they've had accounts frozen, and it's because now creditors, again, have essentially the hands on the weapons. They're able to go and do these court actions where they weren't able to do it for, you know, over a year or so during the darkest times of COVID. You know, this just wasn't a a thing. You know, people didn't have to worry about losing their wages, but it's definitely coming back now with a vengeance, so it's something people need to be aware of what can happen and to know there are a lot of things you can do, um, you know, to hit back if this does happen to you. Okay, well, let's start right there. Uh, taking us through what can happen in a situation when someone isn't able to continue making payments on their debt. Like you said, there's all kinds of things uh, that can happen. So let's start there. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in general, you'd anticipate if you miss payments, your creditor might charge you some fees for defaulting. They might report to your credit bureau, and, you know, that's generally going going to happen. But a couple things that can also happen, they might increase your interest rate. So sometimes you've got a promotional interest rate or a preferred rate. As soon as you start to miss payments, that suddenly can skyrocket, make it even tougher for you to get on top of things. Uh, when you start to miss payments, often they'll start to send your account to a collection agency. So usually the first two or three months, it'll be in-house. They'll be relatively friendly trying to keep you as a good customer relationship. But after about three months, they're often either selling the debt off or contracting the third parties um, who definitely take a much harder tack and will start to threaten um, things like legal action. Um, you know, oftentimes the threats they don't follow through on. But again, more and more that I'm seeing is creditors are following through and are taking action. And if they do take legal action, it could result in two things. It could be both or one or the other. But one is wage garnishment, which we've alluded 
to a little bit, and this is where a portion of your wages will go to your creditor, the person that you owe money to, until the debt is repaid. There could be fees, penalties, interest, even the legal cost of the creditor going to court and getting this order against you. That could be added to the total amount that you had to pay. So they could either seize your wages and or they could seize assets. So a creditor might be given permission to take an asset like a vehicle or register a charge against your home or take money in your bank account uh, if you're defaulting on your debts. Uh, You know, definitely when you're starting to have your assets seized, the most drastic situation um, you could be facing, and that's when you really do need to get some good advice. You know, usually it doesn't go from zero to a hundred of legal action right overnight. Usually there's periods of time where you're getting the collection calls, you're receiving the threats. You can usually see these things coming, but if you ignore things, if you stop answering the phone or stop opening the mail, um, you know, it's quite possible you can end up with a seizure action against you without much notice to you. And you've also got to be a little bit careful too. If you don't get that good advice in the right moment, um, you might be pushed into some options that just aren't really good for you. You know, a collection agent might say, well, we're going to be taking your wages tomorrow unless you agree, you know, to go and borrow a bunch of money to pay us off, essentially shifting the debt problem around, or unless you agree to cash in some assets like your RRSPs. So sometimes the threat of this legal action and people not understanding exactly, you know, the steps that have to be gone through, um, that can just scare into doing things that aren't in their best interest to try to deal with the debt situation and make it go away. Yeah, I have two things there. Don't stop opening your mail. I know that that's a very human kind of thing to do. It's just, okay, if I don't open it, it doesn't actually exist. And and that's just such a bad, bad thing to do. So please don't. And I also would think that that would be a great indicator, Blair, that you need to get some help. You need to talk to somebody from Sands & Associates to take the best next step if that's the kind of situation you're in. Well, absolutely, Elaine. You know, year in, year out, as we study our client base, you know, the number one warning sign is just people feel stressed. And the reason you stop opening your mail is because you just feel stressed when you open it up. You know it's not good news, so you try to avoid it. So it's really not one of these, you know, sophisticated, crazy warning signs. It's if you feel like you have a debt problem, if you feel like you have stress when you think about your finances, there's probably something there, and you'd benefit from having a good discussion with a professional. And don't automatically think that, well, if if I don't cash in my RRSPs right now, I'm going to have to do it eventually anyway, so why don't I just do that? And you've talked about that lots of times. It's just That's just not the best thing to do. Oh, it's usually the worst possible thing you can do. So anybody that's about to cash in RRSPs to pay debt, please stop. Think twice. Call us. We'll talk to you about how this is a protected asset. Folks can go through even a bankruptcy proceeding and come out the other side with 100% of their RRSPs intact. Of course, if you choose to cash them in, well, they're gone at that point. So it really is a huge um, you know, night and day difference. Yeah. So give them a call, Sands & Associates. Their phone number again, 1-800-661-3030. Check out their website. It's just chock-a-block full of great information. And the, that, ad, that website address is sands-trustee.com. So, Blair, do creditors actually start seizing your wages if you don't pay your debt? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to hear that answer, but I have a feeling, I have a feeling they can. Yeah, the short answer is yes. 
Um, you know, there are a number of steps that are involved. So it's not the case, you know, you default on a payment yesterday and your wages will be seized tomorrow. It, it takes time and usually there's a lot of threats involved first, but it is possible on, on consumer debt. So, you know, we talk about wage garnishment. Sometimes it's called a garnishee or a wage assignment or an attachment, um, but it can be done by any creditor, anybody that you owe money to, as long as they follow the necessary processes. And that varies a little bit depending on who the creditor is. So if it's an individual creditor, Creditor, like a bank, a credit card company, or a collection agency, um, you know, they have to avail themselves of the court system. I'll take you through those processes in a second. Uh, but for Canada Revenue Agency, and this could be amounts for taxpayer debt, income taxes, GST, payroll deductions, student loans, EI overpayments, you know, everything like that, with CRA, they can actually shortcut the court proceeding altogether. They don't have to apply to court. Um, they can act relatively quickly to seize wages. But as I alluded to earlier, CRA has really slowed down, especially during the pandemic. So the actions that I'm seeing now are exclusively creditor-driven um, through the court system. I would expect when CRA starts to ramp up their collection activities and do, doing wage seizures, you know, that'll be just another shock to individuals because it's been about over two years um, of them not pursuing any wage seizures, at least that we've seen. So in terms of, of what creditors have to do. So if it's not CRA, if it's, say, you know, a bank credit card, a line of credit, or even a personal debt, uh, they have to apply to court, and all that costs money. It's at the creditor's expense. They have to get two orders for a wage garnishment. So the first step is they have to get a court judgment against you that confirms that you owe the creditor the debt. So you have to be served with these documents. You've got 21 days to respond. You know, they have to try to find you, and if they can't find you, they can, you know, reasonably take some steps and then proceed anyway. Uh, but the first step is just them getting the court to agree, yes, this is a valid debt. Um, and typically, if it's, you know, a debt that you incurred honestly, it's not, you know, due to fraud, you understand that you owe the money, you know, that action is just going to happen. They're going to be able to get that order. Uh, once they have that judgment against you, the second thing they need to do is get what's called a garnishing order. Uh, and that allows them uh, to basically give it to your payroll department to say, here's a garnishing order from the court, and it directs the payroll department to withhold funds uh, and pay them into the court instead. And then the creditor has the ability to apply to court to receive that money from your paycheck. So it sounds convoluted. It is convoluted. It costs money from the creditors um, you know, to do it. But you can tell they would only do it if they believe they're going to be actually, actually able to get some money back. So typically the individuals that are you know, job to job or paycheck to paycheck, um, they don't get garnished a whole lot because the creditor might spend a whole lot of money on getting a garnishing order and then the person might just quit their job or move on. But folks who have long-term employment, often unionized or public sector workers, they're prime targets to have their wages garnished because generally the creditors know if they spend the money on legal costs, the person's not going to leave their employment. And unless they seek the help from a trustee, they're probably going to be able to, to proceed with this garnishment for quite some time. It, can we talk about how much of a person's in, income a creditor is allowed to take? Because I don't know the, that answer. Yeah, it varies from province to province, and in BC, the limit is 30% of your net income may be garnished. So that's what I generally, the first phone calls we get, people are saying, yeah, it was about a third of my paycheck that's gone. I'm like, yep, that's that's typically in line with what we would expect. Now, there are some exceptions to this. Um, if it's Canada Revenue Agency debt, those limits don't apply, and they also don't apply to Family Maintenance Enforcement Program, or FMEP, and this is if you have arrears of child support or spousal support. Um, those amounts, they 
could be garnished at up to 100%, um, and also amounts earned through self-employment could be seized at up to 100%. Uh, you know, the good news in most cases is that people on fixed incomes, like a CPP, OAS, uh, GIS, employment insurance, or social assistant, assistance, in general, those wages are considered exempt, except if there's amounts owing to Canada Revenue Agency. I have seen them seize up to 100% of someone's pension income, and you kind of wonder what do they expect the person to do, but they're within their rights to, to do so from CRA's perspective, uh, or from FMEP for child or family support. So in most cases, it's 30%, but it could be up to 100% depending on the type of the debt and the circumstances around it. Got it. And I guess in closing on this segment, uh, because it feels pretty awful, I mean, we haven't really talked about the the best going solutions, but I do want to focus on the fact that folks, so easy for them to feel they're completely alone in this when in fact they are not. Yeah, two things to take away, Elaine. They're not alone, and there absolutely is a solution. So I want to spend a lot of time explaining on how a garnishee can happen, but how a garnishee can be stopped is remarkably straightforward. You come to see a licensed insolvency trustee. The day that you file a consumer proposal is the day I can advise the employer they never have to submit another garnishee. If a personal bankruptcy is the better option, it gives that same protection. So only a licensed insolvency trustee can stop this court proceeding dead in its tracks, can get you back your wages, stop them from being taken in the future. So it's just so important that you get that that advice at the right time. You know, you could decide, you know, to fight this in court, to go to the judge and say, you know, well, 30% is too high, I won't be able to live, and maybe they'd be able to reduce it a little bit. But typically, your better option is to actually deal with the entire debt situation, sit down with a trustee and let us use the power that we have to stop you from this terrible wage garnishment situation. Here's the phone number, 1-800-661-3030, to sit down with somebody from Sands and & Associates and stop this kind of action. Check out their website as well, sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. We're talking about debt consolidation solutions. We're going to learn about those, what options and services are available and what to consider when you choose the best solution for yourself. Debt consolidation is a pretty broad term, covers all kinds of debt repayment strategies. And according to Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, he's going to detail the fact that consumers don't know what can cost them, and it's sometimes more than what you think. Blair's going to explain the differences in consolidation options that we should be aware of, as well as considerations in deciding on the path forward. So Blair, can you start by sharing some of the key basics around debt consolidation options that you think are the most important for us, just regular Joe Blow consumer, that we should know about? Oh, for sure, Elaine. You know, debt consolidation is almost always one of the first strategies people consider uh, when they think about starting to repay their debt and taking some action different than what they're already doing. Usually the goals of debt consolidation is to streamline your finances, so make it more simple, have just a single monthly payment to cover all of your debts instead of having to juggle different payments on different dates to different creditors and maybe missing one or something like that. Things go off the rails. So the idea is it's going to be a whole lot more simple if you can consolidate and put all of your debt together. Uh, the 
other goal of debt consolidation is to save you some money. So hopefully you're going to be able to consolidate at a lower interest rate than what you're being charged on your debt. So, you know, most traditionally people might have, you know, three different credit cards and they decide they're going to take out a consolidation loan from their bank. The credit cards might be at something like 20% interest and maybe the consolidation loan is around 12% interest. So they're going to save, you know, a bunch of money there. Um, you know, another really good fa- good factor too in considering debt consolidation is it gives you a plan for paying off your debt. And as we talk about a lot on the show, if you're trapped in the minimum payment cycle, you've got credit card balances, you pay the minimums, they don't go down each month, uh, you could be paying for decades, even on small balances. So generally, when you consolidate your debt, you're doing it over a specified term. It's going to have an idea of bringing that debt eventually down to zero. Um, I think a couple of things that people need to be really aware of is that there's more than one way to consolidate debt. There's actually a number of different ways. And you can consolidate debts without borrowing. So when most people think about debt consolidation, they think they have to go to the bank and get a loan. The bank's going to pay off the other debts. Uh, and that's def- definitely one option. But there's other options such as home equity consolidation loans, um, balance transfers, um, along with the other basic consolidation loans. You know, those are different ways to borrow money. Um, but sometimes the obstacles of that um, is that the bank might require you to have a pretty strong credit score if they're going to con- agree to give you some consolidation financing. And sometimes that can be tough if you had to miss some payments or if all your balances are pretty high. Uh, and even more concerning to this, sometimes banks might say, oh, yeah, we'll agree to do a consolidation loan, but we'd like to get a co-signer involved. So you get somebody, usually a friend or a family member, to sign on for that new loan, and you've just taken whatever issues that you've had that were just solely on your shoulders and put them squarely on the shoulders of whoever else is going to co-sign that debt. And generally, when I sit down with folks that have co-signed debts, they never anticipated that they would be held responsible for an unpaid balance. But that's exactly the case. And I see this again and again. Folks go through, get a consolidation loan uh, with a co-signer. They're unable to pay that consolidation loan in the future. And it's just that much more heartbreaking when they know them not paying that loan is going to put the co-signer into a tough, tough financial situation. Now, the final point here of concern if you're looking to borrow to consolidate your debts is that it can be expensive. So even if you do save on the interest rate, uh, you know, you're still looking at paying back all the debt 100% um, plus interest, and that can be something that's just not affordable. So you may not be able to get a very attractive rate if your credit isn't great or may not be able to be approved at all. But even if you are approved, you've got to make sure it's something that fits into your budget and is not going to put you further in debt trying to pay off that consolidation each month. So uh, I like the fact that you talked about the whole co-signing thing, because that's that was new information when I first heard it from you. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's the last thing I want to do is bring somebody else and put that responsibility on them. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that again. Um, can you talk about the, more about the options for consolidating debt without borrowing and the specifics that people should consider when they start weighing their various options? It definitely, Elaine. This is what I'm excited to, to talk about because most people really understand, okay, debt consolidation, I'm getting a new debt to pay off the old debts. I get that. But a lot of folks are really shocked to learn that you can consolidate debt without having to borrow, without having to have a strong credit rating. There's two main ways you can do that in BC. Uh, one is to work with a credit counselor. And the way a credit counselor would consolidate your debt is they will essentially go to each of the banks that you owe money to and say, we're going to get you bank, we're going to get you back 100% of the debt but you have to agree to stop the interest. 
So you basically would get consolidation at a 0% interest rate, which, you know, can sound very attractive and can be better than, than borrowing in some cases. Um, but there can be some pitfalls as well. And we'll, we'll talk about those as we compare the options. Um, you know, the second option that a more and more people are choosing just about every month now in BC is consolidating using a consumer proposal. And, you know, similar to what I've mentioned with a credit counseling plan, you're not borrowing any money. You're putting all of your debt together. You're getting the same uh, interest-free, so there's nothing additional that ever gets added to the debt. But the huge, massive difference with a consumer proposal is because it's administered through a licensed insolvency trustee and because a trustee has the backing of federal government legislation that's put out there to protect consumers, a consumer proposal can actually reduce the debt down to what you can really afford to repay. So quite often it's in the range of 20 cents on the dollar, 30 cents on the dollar. It could be higher or lower depending on situations, but it's pretty rare that a proposal has to be 100% repayment of the debt, whereas a credit counseling plan, because there's no law, there's no legislation that gives any power to reduce debt, every credit counseling plan has to provide for 100% repayment of the debt. So, you know, that that's a big difference between the non-borrowing options is just how much you have to repay. You know, another big difference between them is considering, well, what debts are actually being consolidated? And if you're dealing with an informal credit counseling plan, uh, as I alluded to earlier, they're great at working with the banks, you know, generally they'll be able to achieve, you know, with a couple different credit cards, major Canadian banks will work with them, but a credit counseling plan can't work at all for government debt, so things like income taxes, GST, student loans, uh, ICBC, anything going to government can never be consolidated in a credit counseling plan, whereas quite the opposite, a consumer proposal can deal with all of those debts, so all amounts owing to government, just about anything under the sun can be consolidated and reduced if you were to file a consumer proposal. So some big advantages there. So here's the deal, folks. If you already know that you want to take some action and really seriously look at debt consolidation and the best f solution for you that fits your situation, your personal situation, give Sands & Associates that telephone call. It's 1-800-661-3030 or check out their website, sands-trustee.com, and you can make an appointment and, and set up an appointment through there. Um, so... I know we we sort of went over these uh, quickly, the different option solutions, but I, it's very clear to me the pros and cons of the main consolidation options that we've covered. So if we were to boil them down a little bit, can we do that for the last for a couple of minutes here, Blair? Oh, yeah, I think that that's really useful. So let's say, you know, here's the solution, what it is, here's the pros and the cons. So the first one we talked about, uh, very simply, a bank loan or a financed debt consolidation, what most people think about when you borrow to consolidate, that's where a lender pays off each of your debts and rolls the combined balance into a new financed agreement. You agree to repay 100% of the debt with interest, so that's what we're talking about. In terms of the pro, the ideal state is that the new interest rate is going to be lower than what you're currently charging, so maybe, again, the 12% uh, versus is 20, but on the downside, as we talked about, it can be really different difficult to qualify for these terms. The monthly payments might be high if your debts are, are rather high to begin with, and sometimes you'll be asked to get a cosign or to pledge some assets, which is never a good idea. So first option to bank finance debt consolidation has some upsides, but sometimes it can be pretty difficult to execute. And the credit counseling debt management plans, again, uh, the pros of those it, and I think the other piece that I always like when you talk about is the connection uh, that the uh, credit counseling has with um, the the uh, the person who's holding the debt often. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, essentially what you need to understand if you're dealing with a credit counselor is you're basically dealing with a collection agency, uh, and that's how credit counselors are licensed in several provinces across Canada. So even the not-for-profit credit counselors, they generally operate as collection agencies. And when you think about it, what they're trying to do is to get the bank back 100% of their debt. So generally that's what you'll have to pay if you do a, a a credit counseling debt management plan. Um, you won't pay the interest, but you will pay some program charges on top of it, and those are completely unregulated. But also what can be the downside is you might be paying significantly more on those debts than you would reasonably have to if you were to choose a consumer proposal. You might have certain debts that just can't be included in a credit counseling debt management plan, like whether it's the government debts um, or you know diff- different amounts to different individuals that just decide not to work with a credit counselor. Um, and because it's an informal Formal plan, your creditors could decide, you know, to drop out at any point and decide they want to sue you for full payment. There's not a legally binding agreement, um, and if you start to miss payments, there's nothing that protects you to say, hey, up to three missed payments, you're still okay. The whole deal can fall apart very quickly because, again, it's just informal based on people taking your word that you're going to repay things back. Uh, that contrasts significantly with a consumer proposal, or as we've talked about, the biggest, biggest advantage is it's going to be geared to your household, to your income, to what you can actually afford to repay back. So oftentimes the debts can be reduced by 50 to 80 percent. All your interest charges are stopped in a consumer proposal. And a consumer proposal has the additional power that if you're being sued for your debts, if you're having collection calls, you know, morning, noon, or night, as soon as you file a consumer proposal, all that has to stop by law. Even if you're supposed to be in court, you know, the next day to have your wages taken, you filing a consumer proposal stops all that debt in its track. So it gives you that extra protection, that ceasefire that you might need so you can restructure your debts. And in the last minute or so, Blair, it's really clear that... um not all of these solutions and debt help professionals, their solutions are created equal for a consumer. Well, that's absolutely right, Elaine. That's why I'm so proud that we continue to do this show because we're giving people the straight facts on what they need to know about what can be a very murky situation. So if you go to see a, a credit counselor first, you might never be informed of a consumer proposal or it might be positioned in such a way that, well, you'd never want to do that. That's the same as a bankruptcy, which it absolutely is not. So you really do need to make sure you do your research. You know, trustees are independent, um, officers licensed by the federal government. We're supposed to be unbiased to give you all of the information that you need, and other financial professionals don't have those same requirements, the same code ethics standards of professional practice. So if you start with a trustee, a trustee can advise you, you know, hey, maybe borrowing debt consolidation is your best option given your situation, or maybe credit counseling makes sense in this situation because it's pretty simple, it's a small amount of debt, but you'll get the straight goods by coming to a trustee first. Yeah, get that debt-free plan that is really just right for you and designed just for you. Give Sands & Associates a call at 1-800-661-3030 or visit sands-trustee.com today to book your first free debt consultation with a BC debt help expert. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. Uh, the one thing that Sands and Associates does, it, and it's so interesting year to year, is a BC consumer debt study. And uh, we're going to talk about all the details that came from the 2021 debt study report, uh, looking at British Columbia and, and where peop- what people were doing and how they were doing it and where they came from, all those things. Uh, the BC consumer debt study was produced by Sands and Associates and uh, 
Blair is going to talk about uh, the key findings on what's driving consumer debt problems. Um, I guess the first thing I want to, I, I know we got lots of information, Blair, but is was it surprising um, what you found in the study from 2021 compared to what you saw in 2020 or 2019? I feel like we've been through so many changes the last couple of years. How did those show up or did they show up in your debt study? Now, there's, you know, there's definitely a, you know, a number of different surprises um, that we've seen, and we'll highlight a few of them about you know, the average consumer getting older and having more payday loans. One of the yeah. big surprises, what we didn't see, is we expected you know, the COVID-19 pandemic um, you know, to really be a really big contributor to people seeking um, help with their finances, and that just wasn't the case. It was a very small percentage of people that said, yeah, COVID really put me behind, and this is why I need help with my debts. Um, you know, typically, it was more of the circumstances outside of people's control. Um, you know, the typical job loss, illness, marital breakdown, and things like that. But I right. think what that's leading us to think is, you know, we did this study when income supports were still happening. It still wasn't mm. clear, you know, we we're coming out of the pandemic. And, you know, now income supports are largely cut off. We're getting back to a sense of normalcy. So we think the financial impact of the pandemic, it's just going to be start to be felt now and in the years to come. So it's kind of stay tuned for future surveys on that. But we had expected, you know, some massive percentage would be saying, you know, COVID is the cause of my debt. And it really wasn't in this study. That's interesting. And yeah, I think you're right. I think that all the repercussions are going to show up in, in years to come in areas that we haven't even thought about yet sometimes. See? Mm-hmm. All right. So it was the ninth annual consumer debt study. Uh, let's talk about the particulars of it. How many people did you talk to and, and what did you find out? Yeah, it's a really unique study because you hear some of these studies in the media, you know, a number of, you know, average consumers are scared about insolvency, but these were actually people that had filed an insolvency. This is people that had filed either a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy. They were their recent or current clients, and it was 1,700 people responded to our survey and gave us very detailed insight. You know, that's the equivalent of one in five people that filed an insolvency in all of BC last year. So if you really want to have your finger on the pulse of people in BC who are struggling uh, with financial difficulty, this survey study is absolutely the window into that. Um, so every year we look at the general demographics, uh, the debt levels, the causes of problem debt. And as I mentioned, we usually have an additional focus in this year. It was trying to see the impact of COVID-19 uh, and then also understanding the effects of debt stress. Um, you know, we know that people, debt has been normalized in our, in our current society. You know, it's kind of a fact of life. People will have debt at some point. But what's not normalized is the conversations about when debt becomes a problem. So we just consistently see people suffering for too long, flailing about, not sure what to do, sometimes feeling incredibly stressed for incredibly long periods of time. So one big objective of the study is really just to shine a light on the profile of the typical person who's having debt troubles. And for a lot of people, they'll say, yeah, that looks a lot like me and maybe I can reach out for help too. Interesting. Um, and I just want to throw in the, the fact that we're talking about this debt study and how interesting it is. But if you already know uh, that that you're in a situation that you need some help with when it comes to your debts, uh, I just want to say, give Sands & Associates a call. It's 1-800-661-3030. Uh, check out their website, sands-trustee.com, filled with such good information for you to personally be able to move forward and, and take back some of this uh, take some back, take some control back for you and, and figure out a, a good, a good path forward through your debts. Um, so back to the study, Blair, some of the main findings and trends that you, that you saw in this year's study. 
Yeah, well, you know, we've, we've been summarizing a bit, saying if you're a BC resident, you're struggling to see the end of credit card payments and your household expenses are going up, you're far from alone. That's the typical profile of the people that we've seen that are reaching out for help. So the highest proportion of people, about a third of the people that we surveyed, they had about twenty-five to $50,000 of debt. That's excluding a vehicle loan or a mortgage. Um, at the time, they started a formal debt relief process. Um, and credit card debt was overwhelmingly cited as the most common type of problem debt. It was five times more likely to be causing a problem than the next highest type of debt. So it's typically credit card driven and, um, you know, sweet spot is a weird term, but, you know, the most common spot where people run into, run into trouble is around the twenty-five to $50,000 mark. Uh, about 56% of people, as I mentioned, said the credit cards were the main type of debt that drove them into trouble. The next highest one was, again, at about a fifth of the incidence at 11% was tax debt, lines of credit at 10%. And what was interesting as well is payday and installment loans were at 9%, uh, but that's actually significant growth. It was about 6% of 2020 study, 5% of 2019 study. So it's basically doubled in just two years the number of individuals who have found that the payday loans or high interest installment loans are the things that are really pushing them over the edge of needing financial help. And there, and that's pretty scary, the payday loan situation. If you're ending up having to go there, um, the terms of that payday loan are, are just staggering, I find. Yeah, I, I, I still don't understand how it can even be legal, but because 60% is supposed to be the maximum um, allowable interest rate in the criminal code. But when you add up all the fees, cost of uh, borrowing, it can be 500% interest in a year. So it's just, it just really can build a, a tough cycle to get out of. So that's one of the bigger insights we've seen is this payday loan problem seems to be you know, accelerating um, in, in its impact on individuals. You know, another founding that, that we, finding that we saw uh, was that an older population seems to be comprising a larger and larger percentage of those that are seeking help. So it was about 37, oh, sorry, pardon, pardon me, about 42% um, of our 2021 survey respondents, they said they were 55 years old or older at the time of their insolvency, either pre-retirement or in retirement. Uh, in 2020, that was 39%. Uh, when we first started doing our studies back in 2012, it was 26%. So it went from 26 to 42% of individuals uh, over the age of 55 seeking help with their debt. So it's the fastest growing demographic of anybody reaching out for help to us. Wow. And I know that housing affordability, it's a huge issue in British Columbia and in so many provinces across the country. Uh, how did it show up for BC residents? Well, very, very few people that filed bankruptcy or proposal are homeowners these days because the value of homes has escalated so high that, you know, people are able to tap, tap equity to pay off debts. Uh, but we found upwards of 80% of our client base are renting. Uh, and so many of our clients are just feeling squeezed as renting goes up or there's rent evictions. Um, they really are starting to spend, you know, half of their income on rent. We see just far too often. So uh, it's very much more of a renter problem than a homeowner problem, at least in the province of BC right now. Now, I know that you said that, that you were a bit surprised that COVID, the whole pandemic, didn't come up as a, as a real reason why people were in such a situation this uh, over 2021 versus 2020, et cetera. But it's almost like COVID was the umbrella over all of us, and we all had to do things differently as a result. And in some cases, people just ended up losing um, a foothold or wages or jobs. Would you say that's true or 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 not. Well, 
I think I'm not sure, um, because what was interesting to us is that the different causes, you know, four out of the five most common causes were outside of an individual's control. Um, so, you know, 18% of people said that it was using credit for cost of living that income could not cover. So, you know, now we're seeing the inflation on cost of living on an accelerated basis. So we expect that to continue. But the other main causes, you know, illness, injury, or health-related problems at 10%, marital or job-related, sorry, marital or relationship breakdown at 8%, and then job-related issues at 8%, we really thought based on COVID that that job-related issue would be much higher. That's actually the lowest in eight years of our study. So we thought people were having serious income interruptions, and maybe they were, but in terms of people that have filed insolvency proceedings, they really weren't citing job losses due to COVID as a contributing factor. I see. Okay, so that's interesting. So either the number's larger than you, then we know it is at this point, because people just didn't seek help. I mean, that's possible Mm. too, right? Yeah, much less pressure with collection agencies taking a backseat, courts closed. So, yeah, I think the pressure is starting to ratchet up now. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, listen, if you're feeling like we've described you or talked a little bit about your situation when we've talked about the, the debt study uh, for 2021, give Sands & Associates a call. It's 1-800-661-3030 uh, to make an appointment and get in to talk to somebody. Check out their website as well at sands-trustee.com. I just want to mention the website too. It's sands-trustee. This is really the second segment. We're talking about um, the BC Consumer Debt Study that Sands & Associates did. What did you say, Blair? It was the ninth time that you guys have done this study? Yeah, we started in 2012. This is our ninth one we've just completed now, yep. Excellent. So the first part, we talked about the actual data, uh, the hard data that was accumulated through uh, talking to 1,700 people who participated in the study. And this segment is going to focus more on the impacts that pro- that problem debt can have on someone's mental health, well-being, just their overall how they're doing. And I think this is such an important thing because, boy, oh, boy, folks feel like they're the only ones going through this and, and all the stuff that can come up as a result of that. Can you talk a little bit about who was surveyed and some of the key findings from the debt study about how debt is affecting people these days, Blair? Mm-hmm. Well, definitely, Elaine. And I think it's interesting, too, and I've had listeners tell me this this before, it's folks that have been in debt, they can identify with, you know, all of these aspects I'm going to tell you about, about mental health, physical health impacts. If you've never been in that situation, you might not have a window into exactly how much of a burden debt can be this can be on, on an individual, the toll it can take. So it's just so helpful for the general public, even if those who may never struggle with debt, just to be aware when you're carrying a debt burden, it's something that can be a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week type of thing, and it can even lead, you know, to, to the worst of all possible outcomes where people just, you know, give up on, on their joy of life and are not the father, brother, sister, mother. Um, they know they can be. So, yeah. you know, in terms of who we study, studied, it was 1,700 individuals that had filed either a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy in the province of BC uh, over the last about three years or so. So it's a really strong uh, component, about 20% of the equivalent annual volume um, of those people in BC that restructure their debt. So it's a great window into the average person in BC who's struggling with debt. What does that mean? And from a mental health and you know physical health point of view, being in debt impacts their life in so many ways. 70% 77% of people said that their mental health suffered by being in debt. 
53% of people said that their physical health suffered. And when we look into some of the details, the impacts of debt stress, you know, you can see it's a dire situation for many people. Um, a lot of people experienced multiple impacts. Um, 68% of people said their self-esteem suffered. So just not being able, you know, even to use the word to honor your obligations, you're not able to honor your obligations. That's not good for your self-esteem. And the vast majority of people said, you know, they didn't feel like as much of a person because they were in debt. Uh, for four out of five people, they said their worry about debt was constant. So it wasn't an hour here or there or a few minutes of a panic attack. It was every moment of every day they're thinking about this debt. And for three and four people, they said it actually led them to severe anxiety, which which became some in some cases debilitating. Uh, one of the most sobering findings that we see in the survey, and this has been relatively consistent as long as we've been asking this question for almost for nine years now, roughly one in six respondents said the stress of debt results in them experiencing thoughts or contemplation of suicide. Um, so that just really focuses us at Sands and Associates to know, um, you know, it might sound trite to say we're saving lives by helping people with debt, but there are individuals who, if they don't get that help, you know, I've had the calls where people are saying, you know, I'm trying to think about, will my life insurance pay out if I step out into traffic? Will my family be okay? And we can fix all of these problems. So to know that one in six people that are seriously in debt are contemplating, you know, ending their life because of it, it just means we've got a ton more work to do to break down that stigma and encourage people to get help that much sooner. And I and I just that speaks to Sands and Associates, Blair, and I how you do business uh, in terms of and I mean it's sort of funny to say uh, uh, how you do business, but how you create the relationships and how you support people in taking uh, physical action, real information based action, but as well as supporting them emotionally to move forward. There's counseling involved, all of those good things uh, on top of this actual. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to fill out to move forward. And if this sounds like something that you really want to do right now and take some action on, give them a call. It's 1-800-661-3030. Check out their website as well, sands-trustee.com. Um, just so many uh, stress symptoms, debt stress symptoms that folks uh, feel, Blair, at this time. And I, I know you all are, are pretty qualified to, at least if you can't, help to see that and then to help folks move, move along and, and help, just help them, period. Yeah, you know, what, what's really interesting is to think about the opposite side. If people are feeling these impacts, um, you know, people are alienating themselves from family or friends or might be having, the, you know, the darkest of dark thoughts. But when you deal with the debt problem, that goes away. Um, so, you know, it's so inspiring to us when we know, say, 39% of people in our study said they had to put life events on hold uh, because of their debt. And then once they dealt with their debt, they're able to suddenly move forward again with their lives. You know, their relationships were suffering. When they deal with their debt, they're able to be better and their relationships. So it really is powerful once you can get this burden off of someone's back, they can suddenly again fulfill their potential. And that's in everyone's best interest. That's the reason why there's an insolvency system is to allow people to rehabilitate from a tough situation and then go on and achieve much greater things in the future, be greater contributors to society, pay more taxes than they ever would because they're going to earn more money because the debt's not on their mind anymore. So it yeah. really is in everyone's best interest for people not to suffer with debt. What were some of the warning signs that people indicated having that they knew that they needed to take some action? Well, the most reported warning sign, this is over two-thirds, nearly 70% of people, they said they knew their debt was a problem because they felt the stress. 
So we've said it a number of times in this show, Elaine, if you think you have a debt problem, that's the number one warning sign that you probably do. Um, you know, other highly cited warning signs for about 60% of people, they said it was only making minimum payments, was a big warning sign. I was really happy to see that because that's been a bit of a change of consciousness for years. I've been hearing people saying, you know, as long as I can make the minimum payments, it means I'm okay. And that's not what it means at all. If you're only making the minimum payments on your credit cards, it means you're probably going to be in probably going to be in debt for decades and pay off that balance multiple times over. Um, 39% of people said it was accumulating more debt on their credit accounts. So every month they'd make some payments, but when they'd look next month, they had charged more than the payments and the balances just kept going up. Um, And in some cases, folks said they were turned down for a bank consolidation loan. That was about 20% of people. But it was interesting that only a third of people said they were getting collection calls. Um, Only 19% of people said they were missing payments. Only 6% of people said they had something seized from them. So a lot of people think it's only, you know, in the worst of the dark situations, you should go and see a trustee to, to restructure yourself. But the vast majority of people, I'm so happy, they're starting to take action a little bit earlier, not waiting until it's so completely dire. Um, but what's also interesting, too, is from a credit rating point of view, a lot of people think that, you know, only people that have poor credit ratings get into trouble with their debt. And almost 30% of people who filed a bankruptcy or a proposal actually had good to excellent credit. There's a number of people that will never miss a payment. They'll make all the minimum payments, but they'll know taking the step to restructure their debts is what they need to do so that they're not paying the debts off for decades to come and they can actually get back to owing zero. Of the people that you talked to and that were involved in the survey, um, what was the number of consumers that were seeking help or, or trying to get help right away? What kind of numbers did you come up with there? Well, that's the the biggest stat that tells us we have more work to do, Elaine. It was only 5% of people said that they sought professional help right away, which means 95% of people suffered for longer than they had to. And the reasons people gave for that was more than 60% said they just wanted to manage on their own. Uh, More than 50% said that they were embarrassed or ashamed about not being able to handle the debts. And about 40% said they were worried about being judged. So, you know, I definitely understand they wanted to manage on your own, but those other factors, if people are feeling ashamed, worried, about being judged. You know, I hope they're listening to our show. They're hearing, you know, just the genuine desire we have to help people in their situation and not make them feel any lesser than. You know, anybody can have a debt problem at any time, and it's quite possible to do all the right things at every stage and still need the help of a trustee. So you'll be met with compassion and empathy if you reach out for help. The phone number to call is 1-800-661-3030 to get your appointment with somebody from Sands & Associates and get started. Uh, Check out their website as well. You can make an appointment through there at sands-trustee.com. It's also filled with good information for you. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. (laughs) And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.